1: oklahoma business down in El reno they're also in bethany as well so people in the bethany area know the diffies really well but if you're looking for anything new used um ford lincoln or whatever i'm sure they could find anything you want um check them out diffieford.net and then on instagram at diffieford lincoln this episode is presented by citizens bank of edmund citizens bank of edmund has been serving edmund since 1901 they pride themselves on investing in the community and are here for all your personal and business banking needs For more information, go to mycitizens.bank and follow them on Instagram at citizensedmond, as well as go bank there, because I bank there too. It's been a fantastic personal experience for me. I've had my podcast account there now, my podcast business account there now for a few, four years now, I think, and it's been fantastic. So definitely worth your time. They're a great group of people, and they're always there to answer the phone when I forget my password, because I seem to forget it daily uh, so yeah go to citizens Edmund and um, check him out it's been awesome all right what's up guys welcome back to another episode of this is Oklahoma Mike in here host back with another episode we are down in Oklahoma City today uh, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you our guest Mr. Bradley Carter from Grounds for Compassion uh, you probably know Bradley's name because he's also a local politician um, we just figured this out you're in my district yes sir so which I, I don't I don't even know. I'm I'm technically a resident, but I'm not a U.S. citizen yet, so I don't think I can vote yet. I don't think so.
0: Anyway, well, <laughs> I, I should probably figure out. I don't that know out. that that matters anymore nowadays. No. So, I mean, you might be able to. I should probably figure that out. Uh,
1: but pleasure to meet you in person. Thanks for, uh, thanks to Todd Nelson for connecting us. Yes. And uh, me, you know, I always, the way the podcast generally works and people ask you, know, how do you find your guests? Well, most of the time it's through referrals uh, and, and Todd referred you to the podcast. So excited to dive into your story. Um, he didn't mention a lot about you. He just said that you do really cool things with the coffee, uh, kind of empire, well, not empire, probably, wrong word for it, but the coffee business that you have uh, and just kind of the faith-based reasons behind it. Um, before we dive into that, though, set a little bit of context, tell me a little bit about you, where you grew up, and, and what it is that you do.
0: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, the, uh, let's see, I, I was born in Florida to uh, my father and mother who were in the Air Force. They, they grew up here in, in Bethany, Oklahoma, moved us back uh, when I was five. And uh, so I I really grew up in Bethany uh, through the the formative years. And I um, attended Pump City Schools until high school, went to Bethany High School, um, which you're familiar with, with SNU being right beside us. And it was um, a very small school, kind of the small town, even though we're surrounded by Oklahoma City. And uh, after graduating high school, joined the military. I was in the Army for a few years and was a military police officer there. Came back home and really didn't have a direction for my life. Uh, being lost, I just, you know, you kind of do what you can do to earn money, to do whatever. So I was waiting tables, bartending, uh, and that really more or less helped really kind of feed into the addiction that I was was getting into with drugs and uh, the party scene. and very fortunate years later ended up meeting my wife, uh, which led to getting out of that, that lifestyle and we started a family and, uh, I'm, I'm fast forwarding through a lot of this. No, this is good. This is good. um,
1: I will definitely go back and ask a few deeper questions, but yeah, keep going.
0: But we, um, we were not Christians at the time and it was after our second son was born that, you know I really felt the, the, the urge to make sure that our, our kids grew up in church and I oddly enough I remember looking at her uh, very hypocritically and saying you know I I don't really think that you and I need to go but I want our kids to know the truth so they can make their decisions when they're older yeah. and, and you know it just it really hit me that that was probably one of the most hypocritical statements I could have ever made you know you know where the truth is but yet yeah, you don't you don't care to go so to speak and um my wife and I ended up just getting radically saved, and when I say radically saved, we had we had lived pretty radically in our own selfish, you know, endeavors. And once we became saved, it was very clear that we needed to live our life just as radically and have the same fervor for Christ that we we did for ourselves. And um, you know, it wasn't too long after that that I had gone on a mission trip to Haiti. Which is really where God got a hold of me and focused on the fact that my wife and I would be going into ministry. Um, we, I, I kind of laugh. I took her kicking and screaming, but we, we had discovered coffee at the time, which we both hated. We didn't drink, mm-hmm. uh, but that we felt called to, to put in a, a business in Haiti to help provide jobs and, and do whatever we could because the poverty level was so high. And coffee. Just really fit. Um, and so we were there for a little over 18 months. Um, and when I say we, I was spending a week to two weeks a month in Haiti and flying back and forth. Uh, at this point in time, we had had an insurance business here in the States and uh, we're, we're doing fairly well for ourselves. And we felt the Lord call us to quit that and really focus on ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I'd go there to make sure that they didn't forget who we were. And do everything we could within the the coffee business and industry and the farming, and uh, then would come back home to try to figure out how to sell the coffee and who would be willing to buy it and how do how do we kind of fund this endeavor? And it, during this period of time, we grew our children, our family from two kids to five. Okay. And she uh, she came to me and said, you know, I'm really I don't know that I can continue to be a single wife and keep doing this all on my own. I need help. And, it was a it was a really good time to transition to where I, I stayed here. Uh, we had donated the property we had in Haiti to a ministry that had come alongside of us and helped us through it all. And they have done they have done amazing things. So shameless plug for you know Mission of Hope Haiti. Uh, they feed like sixty thousand kids a day through their school lunch programs, and we're able to take our property that we donated to help grow their farming. And the agronomy department that they have and uh, just do they do amazing things mm-hmm. out there. So and we got to focus on the coffee side here at the States and the business started growing and the things that we could do. So we started putting our focus more in our community and what we could do to give back within that. And so we have a, a homeless outreach that we that we partner with a number of people and organizations here in the city. And we We also partner within the recovery community to make sure that we're hiring people that are walking through that recovery and getting out of addiction to help them kind of on their, their journey to get back into life. A lot of times that also, you know, fits in with the homeless uh, community that we work with. So currently, uh, as, as you and I are talking, I mean, we're about to have a pretty Arctic storm come through. And so yeah. we've, we've been elbow deep in making sure we've got hotel rooms and food ready and different things prepared for people. And it, uh, Oklahoma is great with all the season. I think we have made two seasons, you know, hotter than it can be or colder than, yeah. and so we try to work in the, in the catastrophic areas there. And it's just, I don't know, it's been kind of a, a blessing in what we do and like you referenced and a few years ago I I felt the call to to step into politics and Mm -hmm. I've really enjoyed it because I get to do on a larger scale what we were already doing through the coffee business. Mm -hmm. So it's not really about the politics it's about the fact of being able to help the people within our community and being a blessing and it's just opened so many more doors into Mm -hmm. what we can do to get people the the resources they need.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tell me about um, so you said mom and dad are in the Air Force did that kind of a, a kind of help your decision to go into the military, or do you think after high school I don't want to go to college? I want to go in the military. Was like what was that conversation after high school with your family?
0: So that was kind of both, really. Um, the the college that I wanted to go to that I was really geared up for, I was a baseball player. Okay. Um, I did not get a scholarship for, and I was extremely. Headstrong. I mean, like, you want to talk about that teenage boy that's full of pride, full of himself. I mean, that was very much me. Um, and so I was going to show everybody since I didn't get the scholarship I wanted, instead of going to the schools that I could have, I decided to say no. And um, my dad was Air Force. My my grandfather and uncle were Navy. So I was like, you know, I need to go. I'm going to go Army, which is just you know, I can top them. Mm-hmm. And realized real quick into boot camp that this place was going to kick my butt, you know. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I was only in for a few years, but I learned so much actually in that period of time that I still use to this day, and, and that I kind of navigate with. Um, but it was it was a it was a decision basically. I wasn't ready for college, but I didn't know what I was ready for. My father also worked for the Oklahoma Highway Patrol, so I figured I'll go be an MP in the army. Okay do my time, come back, I can go back to, I can go to work with my dad. You know, I can go do one of those things. I realized real quick, wasn't going to be a cop. You know, I love our, our police. I love everything they do and our first responders. But it, um, at that point in time in my life, especially with the, the addictions that I had with drugs and, and whatnot, it was, it was not, you know, for me, Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm 44 and I tease with our chief of police. Now I'm like, you know, if I ever, you know, get out of this and lose this position, whatever, I'm like, I'm going to be the oldest recruit you've ever had. I'm going to, I'll go be a cop with you. And, uh, I don't know that I could ever even run down the street right now, but it, <laughs> it's, it's something that still run, runs through my veins yeah. in that sense. But, um, the, the Lord's got me serving in other capacities and other things. And so I can, I can support those guys and doing what yeah, they do yeah. as well. So,
1: um, Tell, tell me about that time that kind of addiction comes in. Then it was that kind of around this time you're going into the military, you kind of coming out of high school? Like, you know, and, and you we can talk. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but um, if you do want to talk about, it, I'd love to hear that story and how you go through that.
0: Oh no, yeah, it's very much a part of my testimony okay. and my. So I, I mean, I partied in high school, okay. much like most athletes yeah. did. You know, here and there, nothing too drastic, but. Um, it, I'm trying to remember. It was probably a good year and a half into the military, um, I was involved into a, a car accident. And this was the late nineties. So, I mean, it was quite easy for, they just write prescription, you know, and I got hooked on painkillers and muscle relaxers. And of course you chase that with alcohol. You know, you're trying to numb the pain and before you know it, it's something that you're you're really gripped in. And as, as a military police officer at the time, I I was, again, dealing with hypocrisy. You know, we had just had a huge bust in our area, um, which I wasn't a part of, but my roommate was, and had taken down a a lot of the illegal drug activity that was going on in the Army. And I just really messed up one night on the, the pain pills and the alcohol, had an epiphany that I'm sitting here doing everything that we just arrested every one of these people for. And, um... You know, it's, I'm pretty ashamed to admit it, but I, instead of trying to deal with it, I ran from it. And I had come, I had leave, came home for my birthday and see my family, did some stuff, and just hit a, a pit of kind of some depression and decided I'm going, not going back. And I went AWOL. And let me tell you, that's some of the scariest things you can do. I mean, you just, you talk about compounding it, making a problem worse. Right. Um, you're constantly looking over your shoulder. And I was stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you couldn't drive down the road with, if you saw a Georgia license plate, like I'd pucker, you know, I was just like thinking everybody's out for me. And that didn't last too long before I went to turn myself in. I was like, you just, I, I can't handle this. And uh, the army decided they didn't want me back. Mm-hmm. Um I was willing to go back and face the music, and they cut me loose. Um, and it wasn't until I was actually running for political office and was about to be endorsed by a, a, a relatively uh, well-known major here. And he and I had this talk. I had to let him know what was going on. And he, he just he apologized to me over lunch one day. He said, listen, you were nothing more than a financial decision. It would have cost us more to rehab you and get you back yeah. than it would yeah. to cut you loose. And I, I just, I'm sitting there cutting my steak at lunch <laughs> and I just started crying in yeah. front of this man. And I'm like, for 20 something years, I've sat here dealing with this guilt and this, this shame. And you're telling me I was nothing more than a financial decision. And he just he's, I'm sorry. Yeah. He's like, I can't tell you how many of those things I've had to sign. Jeez. And it was like a weight also lifted off of me though, right. you know, and, um, ended up getting the endorsement from the guy anyway, but it was just, it was one of those things that I had to, I needed that healing. I needed to go through that, but um, it was, it's just, it's been part of the story. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's the better way of putting it. So, um, but that led into a deeper aspect of addiction with depression and drugs and alcohol when I was, you know, going through the bars and the nightclubs and uh, never really big into, I guess the illicit drugs, but um, I have, uh, through Christ and the help of my wife, conquered that. She had a lot of drug issues at the time as well, and uh, it's been amazing to watch watch those those transformations come through our life. And now being able to speak to people about that and help them get through theirs, um, and then of course prayerfully and hopefully our kids don't ever fall follow, follow right. those footsteps.
1: Yeah, but. yeah, and, and yeah. I mean, it, it all it all ties into your story, right? It all ties into who you are and, you know, and we, we learn more from going through really hard times than we do from everything that's just easy and you cruise through life and nothing's ever difficult. Well, something's going to come across your desk at some point, right? Or, or in front of you that, that tests you. And if you've never been tested before, then, you know, we learn more from our failures and all the rest of it, you know, you know, you know everyone listening knows all those quotes or whatever, but, um, yeah, it's it's not easy, right? And you look through those times and you're just like, I mean, it could have been a lot worse, right? How do, You might not even be here today.
0: Oh. Right? There's been plenty of times yeah. that I... It's by the grace of God. Yeah. I should not be here. You know, I'm, even after, you know, becoming a Christian and working through things and starting a coffee company, and um, I, I would hit different points. I can remember one time almost driving into a a telephone pole, you know, and as, as I feel my, my arm twitch, the the steering wheel, I get a picture of my, my youngest daughter, which we had just had. Yeah. And it was like, I almost took me away from her, you know, thinking that that would be better. I was worth more dead than alive in my opinion, you know, at the time. And, you know, you, you overcome a lot of things, like you said, through the trials, through the tribulations. And um, it is honestly the, only through the grace of God that I am still here to this yeah. day. And I, I try to make sure we relay that to people that we get to talk to and love on. And, and you know, sometimes they catch that yeah. message and sometimes, unfortunately, they do not.
1: Uh, so so you get, the, you know, the, the army lets you go, you come back to Oklahoma. Um, who do you go to? Who's the first person you go to at that point to say, like, I if the army's not going to help me, like, I need help? Were you dating your wife at the time, too? I,
0: I was not. Okay. Uh, it was years later, about five, okay. six years, or six years later that my I, I met my wife. Yeah. Um, I I went to Jim Beam, you know, Crown Royal. Yeah. Those no, no two I went to for my help in a lot of ways. Um, uh, and when I did meet my wife later, I was just, I was at the end of, of a rope of realizing, taking a look in a mirror, you know, I'm drinking every single night. I'm going through all these things. I don't want to be a 50 year old bartender and no disrespect to those who are, that wasn't what I wanted to be. Yeah. You know, my mom had continued to tell me, you're never going to find your wife in a bar. Mm. You know, you got to come to church. You know, I've always I grew up in church, so I've always had the foundation. I just, you know, I had turned my back on it. Right. And I, I tease my mom to this day that I, you know, as stubborn as I was, I had to find my wife in a bar just to prove her wrong. Right. You know, and, um, my wife had never grown up in church, so it was very foreign to her, and it was very uncomfortable for me. And we had got kind of bounced around, but we finally landed on going to the church with my parents, mm-hmm. which is the same church we're at to this day. Um, you know, we've been there for almost seventeen years. Mm-hmm. It's it's home, and it's a it's an amazing family that they um, have gotten behind a lot of what we do, not just with coffee, but with our, our homeless outreaches, and they, they support us in, in very many ways. Yeah. Um, and they do a lot within our community. So it's been it's been a great partnership in that as well, but um, God, yeah. simple question, I yeah. guess, simple answer for the question is, I mean, I've got to turn to God. Mm-hmm. I, I've turned everywhere at that point, yeah. except to him. And when I did finally turn to him, it was amazing. How things did fall into place, mm-hmm. but I had to die to self. I had to try all the other options yeah. first to realize that nothing's going to work. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a lot of people you talk to when you try to turn to them become more of a yes man, mm-hmm. and you got to have somebody who's willing to challenge you. And God definitely challenges. Yeah, you know the yeah. the way we typically think today.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, so fast forward a little bit. Then you say you know you go on a mission trip. You go to Haiti. And that's kind of where you discover the coffee side of things. How, how does that mission trip come about? Like does someone, you know, do you just think, yeah, why not? Let's go. And I mean.
0: I was actually at church and was asked if I would help lead um, the youth, part of the youth. And when I say lead, it was basically they needed another adult adult (laughs) body there. You know, I mean, I wasn't a leader by any means, or at least I didn't think so. And, um most of these high school kids had, had been on this trip before. So if anything, they're leading me, you know, in a lot of ways we go and you're, you're getting to stay in a bunk house. You're getting, I mean, there's no air conditioning. It's hotter than hell. Um, Very little to no breeze. And I mean, it's just, it's not the best or ideal conditions, but I have a roof. I have a bed, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got food they're cooking. They're doing stuff to take care of us. Most of the people you're trying to service in Haiti have absolutely none of this stuff, or they they live in shanties. They're they you know they put stuff together to create a, a hut, and this is prior to the earthquake that had taken okay. Haiti out. So, um, you know, we're I'm helping lead this trip. I'm going through, and I'm watching our leaders and even some of these kids. We're going into these villages and we're telling everybody you know, what's wrong and why, what they're doing wrong and how they can fix it and get better. And I was like, you know, how the heck can we do? We come here for a week, a year, and we're telling these people how to fix their lives. I, I just don't get it. So I, I, I kind of broke off from the group. I start walking around. I'm like, what do you think's wrong with your country? You know, what do you think's wrong with this village? Like, what, what would you do to fix it? Yeah. And I want to say every man that I spoke with said, I just want a job. I want to be able to look across the table at my wife and know I provided for her. I want to be able to look at my kids and not feel shame, you know, I want, to, I want to do these things. Instead, I go stand in line with other people, you know, to get my rations of chicken, rice, beans, whatever it may be that they're going to give us, you know, for the hopefully get it through the next couple of days. I just want a job. And so that's when it, my wife and I were, were praying yeah, she's back home, she's with the kids, she's not going on this mission trip. Yeah. Uh, she set foot in Haiti one time with me, and that was it, through the whole time we did this. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very careful not to say we were there, or we, because she was very much a part of the whole thing. Yeah. But I just started thinking that, you know, okay, we gotta figure out how, how, do, we, how do we provide jobs? Uh, so about six months after we had gotten back is when the earthquake hit Haiti and my wife had had a dream and she saw me in Haiti and i was moving concrete we were uh, she told me i was recycling concrete and then we were constructing things and building things i couldn't put two pieces of wood together with a nail at this point in time in my life you know but i had a friend who was in the the concrete construction business so i'm trying to tap into him so you know my wife has this vision i think i can make i think i could do this and figure it out you know i just need you to teach me And uh, it was about six months later before anybody could really get back into Haiti that wasn't a first responder or some kind of medical. Um, And when we got in, um, I hit the ground running. I just, you know, we're going to start recycling concrete. We're going to start construction. The government says that they've got some free land that they'll give a company if you'll start a company here. Um, You know, I'm trying to talk to anybody and everybody, but every piece of property I look at is, you know, the... The negotiation started out at, at a million U.S., yeah, which I had no money for this. and I am two years clean at this point in time in my life. I'm trying to figure things out. And I am given chances to go talk in front of parliament. I am speaking in front of these world leaders, so to speak. And I'm, I'm just sitting there trying to figure out like, where in the world did this come from, God? How, how am I able to go talk to these people? I, I have a vision, I have no money, and I have no idea how in the world we're gonna make this happen. And not only did they, they agree with wanting to help us out, but the ministry mission of Hope Haiti, they bought into this. And we, I tried to do this for nine months and couldn't get, I mean, we couldn't even move a rock. And on this last trip at this nine month mark, I'm at a hotel. I'm having breakfast with my father who's come on this trip with me. And it's our last day in country. And I, I'm sitting there just really defeated. We haven't found anything yet. I can't do anything. And this man walks up to me and he, he sees the hat that I've had made and this shirt that I'm wearing. I mean, like I was official on paper. I hadn't moved yeah. anything and done anything, but I had the polos and the stuff. And he's like, Kingdom Concrete Construction and Recycling, what is that? So like, great. Yeah. I get pumped. I start telling him all about it. He joins me for breakfast in the middle of the story. And then he, he goes, man, that is an amazing story. He goes, let me tell you why it won't work.
1: <laughs> Great, thanks.
0: <laughs> well, you know that's yeah. kicking ways down, and uh, he goes, "Man, he goes. When you're as poor of a country as Haiti is, and you need to make concrete, and you've got this much money, and you need this much, you just keep adding sand, and that's why everything crumbled." Uh, He's like, "That's why they're recycling the rebar, and they're just throwing the concrete in the ocean because it's going to dissolve in no time." Okay. He's like, "But I've learned over my years that the reason that God gets you to one place isn't always the same reason you stay." He's like, do you mind if I pray with you? I was like, man, I don't know if there's anything else we can right. do, so let's go for it. And he prays. Uh, just an amazing prayer. It just kind of brought me some peace. That afternoon, I go look at the, the last piece of property that we can do. It's 45 minutes outside of Port-au-Prince. It is 20 minutes up a mountain that has no road, which is never going to be conducive <laughs> for construction or do anything. And I'm looking at a million-dollar view. I've got the ocean in front of me. I've got more mountain behind me. And I have no clue why, but out of nowhere, I just said, I wonder if coffee could grow here. Yeah. Which is all that this government gentleman needed to hear, and he just starts going to town about coffee, speaking so fast that my translator can't keep up with him. He just he, said, you say coffee. Just, he's, yeah. yeah. And so he he goes nuts. You know, we start looking into it. It turns out that... Coffee was Haiti's number one export back in its heyday. They used to produce, way back when, almost 50% of the world's coffee. And then in the early 90s, President Clinton enforced an embargo on Haiti and killed their trade, killed their country. I mean, Clinton really did a good job on destroying Haiti in a lot of ways, yeah. all in the name of trying to save it. And he uh, so this guy's telling me about it. Long story short, the government gives us 6,400 acres in this area, which is just outside of a town called Yan, which means land of the dead. And it's where, this was the dump for Haiti type thing. But we found a couple thousand plants growing wild. You know, so in our first year we were getting a harvest. Um, Have a friend who has a coffee plantation in Hawaii. We shipped him some of the coffee to test it and tell us what to do. And he's like, Brad, this this is the coffee I remember from Haiti. He's like, don't change a thing and unfortunately with, with where we are in our world right now I don't bring any coffee in from Haiti yeah but uh, we adapted and we use a we use a broker to help us get in coffee so we currently we bring in coffee from nine other countries uh, we blend everything ourselves mm-hmm. we only do arabica coffee at this time you know we only do current year crop yeah. we want to make sure that it, we we produce the highest quality coffee mm-hmm. um, and when we started off, our deal was going to be, you know, church coffee. We were teaching churches how to partner with us Mm -hmm. because everybody basically used Folgers. Yeah. So it's like, you know, our tagline became, you know, uh, church coffee doesn't have to suck. Mm -hmm. And so we got a lot of churches to switch to us. And then business leaders in the church started realizing that their coffee at their office was worse than, than this. And so then it just kind of grew into executive coffee service. And then we started, you know, we opened a coffee shop and so we start roasting for ourselves and other coffee shops, and before you knew it, we were we're roasting now for businesses, churches, coffee shops. We have you know online sales. People can walk into our roastery and try what we've been roasting that day. You know, buy retail, and all all while doing this, they're helping partner with us and and you know the community and helping homelessness and and helping combat recovery and and kind of going that route. And so it's it's been a really long story we've been doing this now 13 years uh it's been a little little tough here and there um, but to see some of the stories and the lives that you get to touch and affect change with and it's just it's amazing Uh, i've got a young lady who works for me her name is sarah and she's been clean six years now um actually grew up with my wife um has been there i mean they were best friends forever we lost track of her for a while, when I mean, she was in the the pit of her di- her addictions, and she has been one of the best, not just employees but friends. You know, I could I could never imagine having for my family or for our business. Um, and just to hear her speak of, you know, what she thinks that our business has done for her and her family. She has a, a beautiful young daughter. You know. Um, has had to go through a number of different things in her life and uh, ups and downs with her husband, um, ex-husband, but is now looking to become her husband again, you know, and just the the being able to uh, just, I don't know, salvage that is, is probably a huge testimony in so many ways. Um, and just the the countless stories of people that have have come alongside of us. And we don't believe people will work for us for the the rest of their lives. We're a launching pad is the way we like to look at it. Uh, Sarah may be a lifer. She may stick with me, which I'd be very happy if she did. But um, we have people that come in they get everything under their feet. And our goal is to be a blessing coming and going for them. So,
1: Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of like, you know, you said you've been doing this 13 years. Talk a little bit about kind of just like, it's obviously it's sustainable. Um, talk a little bit about like the business side of things. Like, And you mentioned earlier you had the insurance business at the time as well. That was pretty successful. So talk a little bit about like, you know, it's great to have this idea. It's great to have this vision and be able to, you know, donate and, and kind of be this launching pad but also you've got to have an idea of how to run a business too, right? So tell me like where that education comes from and, and who around you has been good to help you with that side too.
0: Trial and error, I would say in a lot of ways there. Um, I actually came from a relatively um, poor family. Um, we, I guess we probably would have been considered the lower middle class or, or, or poor middle class. Um, we did not, you know, business has never been in, in my family in that regard. I didn't go to college for it. So a lot of it had to be trial and error. Um, now, the simple part of it is, I mean, you have bills, you got to pay those bills. If they don't, they come knocking on doors and, you know, there's things that have to be done. Uh, you've got to pay yourself. You've got to be able to eat. And then, so you, you've got to equate into some, and the margin into what you need to do. Um, when we first started off and we were opening a coffee shop, I had no idea. I've worked in restaurants and bars. I've done this. So I understand the management side of things, but I didn't understand the ownership side. And so, like, I I mean, I I, I drove to, like, a Starbucks. I drove to another coffee shop in town, whatever. I looked at their menus. I looked at their prices. And, okay, I'm like, all right, I can do this. You know, this is what my price is going to be. I'm going to, you know, I'll I'll do 10 cents less or I'll do 10 cents more. I'm going to try to kind of find those margins. And... You, then you realize that the reason some of these guys can do the prices they do is because they have such a large buying power. Doesn't work for you. Yeah. You know, you've got to figure out what your cost is and what your. and so for the first couple of years, I think we gave away more than we actually made or did, you know, and it, it's, when you've got five children, it's a motivating factor to make sure, you know, that, that you can still provide and do things. And, uh, I didn't feel like I did it well. Yeah. I, I mean, we're 13 years in and there's stumps. Sometimes I still question myself on, you know, what we're doing well, what we're not and how right. we're going about it. Um, I feel very proud that we survived 2020, you know, 2021. But it's it's still it's a it's a shot in the dark sometimes on how yeah. that goes. You got to navigate it. But, you know, I've I've gone in and asked different, you know, men in our in our church or in church my small group who who have successful businesses and who own businesses like I need a mentor you know I need someone to come alongside me and um, I feel very honored that I've had a couple of people lately come up to me and asking for me to be a mentor you know and so you you pay it back uh-huh. and you know not everybody you don't, you're not born with knowing how to right. do any of this stuff and <clears throat> um, I will tell you most of my mentors and people that I've I've talked to through this have built it, lost it and built it again and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier you learn more through the pain and the trials than you do the successes yeah and so i i don't know too many people who have succeeded and never failed you know so um that's the roller coaster of yeah, it yeah. in a lot of ways yeah.
1: well i think the, the great thing about it right is that you have obviously you have a great coffee you have a great product and you have a great mission Right, and and so you, by by having two of those, you're going to get a lot of support, you know, from like I said, from church to start, and then because of the you know the business leaders that are at the church, you're going to have stuff come in as well, and then it just kind of compounds. And as long as you can focus on those two and the successes of that, then everything kind of falls in place or should fall in place. Uh, what was you know when you came back and you think you know like I'm going to do this coffee thing? Has the mission always been the same, or has
0: it changed over time? It's changed. Okay. So, I mean, originally our mission was Haiti and providing jobs and, and being able to do so in, in that country. Mm-hmm. Um, when, we, when we came back, or I came back in state, the mission of providing jobs wasn't something I wanted to get away from, and at that point in time when we were doing this, it, it wasn't like our unemployment rate in Oklahoma City was sky high. But I wanted to, I've always wanted to be a provider and help people and, and do those things. And what we learned was that we needed to adapt it to our community. And so the the needs and, um, I don't know, I guess just the needs of what you would see in Haiti aren't the same needs here. Yeah. Granted, now, uh, fast forward to 2024 and you know, we've got a lot of poverty. We've got a lot of different homelessness and different things that are going on. But at the same time, we also are right now boasting some of the lowest unemployment rates in in the country here in Oklahoma City. So it, it's it's a it's a weird dichotomy that we've got to kind of navigate. Um, I'm very much about giving a hand up and not a handout. Mm-hmm. Um, I I understand that. You may be in a position or a place where you're, you're needing that hand up, but if you're not willing to help yourself and not willing to go through things, then, you know, we're going to come to a certain point where that's going to need to, that, you know, be addressed or unfortunately that may be a point where we have to part ways. Yeah. So um, we, we've we continued to allow it to, to be adaptable. We have our our foundation we have the things that we do, but right now it's just, it's trying to be that that blessing. Yeah. Meet people where they are and then kind of help them get out of it.
1: Yeah. How do, you know, when, when people kind of come to you and say, Hey, you know, Oh, I see your cup. It's got grounds for compassion. What is that? Like, what's kind of like the 32nd elevator pitch you tell people?
0: Oh gosh. Um, you know, I mean, hopefully it's, it's going to be a quality cup of coffee, but you know, in that aspect of it, that, uh, depending on what where you were and what you paid for that cup of coffee, you know, a portion of that gives back into our community and you're going to see it down the road.
1: Yeah, um,
0: I still remember the first day I'm driving down the road and I look over and I saw somebody have a coffee cup in their car with our, our sleeve on it, you know, and just you're grinning from year to year at that point in time because you know now that, you know, people are buying into to your, your mission and what you're doing. Uh, unfortunately, they don't always get to see what their dollar does. Um, we've, my wife and I very much subscribe to the aspect of, you know, you, you do your work under the Lord, not on demand. And so we don't really advertise a whole lot about what we do. Um, when we're fortunate enough to have invitations to sit in shows like this and, and to do things like this, then, you know, we, we will talk about it all day long, as long as God gets that glory. But really and truly whenever they buy that bag of coffee or they're buying a cup of coffee somewhere where we are the roaster for that company, ultimately they're giving back into this community. They're doing something to help people. And, um, it's, you know, I mean, it's a blessing that they want to support us, but I, I really hope that they would understand how much of a blessing they really are to people. And they may have never, ever met. You know these people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then and that goes back to just the product speaking for itself, right? If they have no idea what the mission is, the product is, is amazing and that's why they keep buying it. And then even though you know, you're, you're roasting for other coffee shops and businesses, is that all kind of white label stuff as well? So you, it's not, you know, like I said, it's, no one knows this grounds for compassion, but you're roasting for. You know, local coffee shop people think oh that's that's their coffee but it's not right it's you might be white labeling it
0: we do yeah, yeah. we white label yeah. um and we've been <laughs> fortunate enough that we have uh a number of local shops that love to represent represent us and partner with us
1: yeah.
0: but i mean we have coffee shops in texas we have coffee shops in tennessee oh, wow. and florida um that sometimes you know you'll you'll see you'll see us on the bags mm. you know but it's in the coffee shop of with their own name. And that's really a a big part of my passion as well, though, is helping people realize their dream. You know, so we, we do coffee consulting. We do, you know, training, we help people open up their coffee shops and let them run their dream. We just get to provide the the vehicle that helps them get there. Yeah. So
1: you thought you'd never be doing that, right? Never. No.
0: (laughs) I, I had a conversation with my younger brother just a few days ago and I'm like, why in the world? you know, people calling me asking me for help or advice on some of this stuff. I just don't get it. You know, I can probably tell you more ways of not to do something than I can tell you how to do it. So yeah,
1: Yeah, this is how not to do it. This is what not to do. Exactly. Stay away from these things. Uh, tell me a little bit about the homeless outreach and kind of how that has been, you know, in Oklahoma city and, um, you know, how that's kind of evolved over, over the kind of years as well. And like you mentioned, you know, we have a huge storm coming in, um, which by the time this goes out, we'll probably be in the middle of it. Uh, <laughs> so I hope everyone listening is warm and safe and has power. Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit about the homeless outreach that you guys are involved in.
0: So my wife uh, was homeless uh, shortly before we had met for a number of months. Um, and if you go by homelessness and some of the definitions today, um, I was too. Uh, just because of the couch surfing and not having a, a you know full-on address yes. um, back then we called it you know college yeah but it, um, but when we started having children we we wanted our kids to know kind of what we have what we lived through what we came through we don't ever want them to go to that that side and so when they were very young we would we would make I mean like we were giving away coffee yeah so we would make a, a couple three gallon batches of our coffee and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And we'd just go to a place where we knew the camps were, we'd set up a table, have our, our logoed stuff kind of out there and just start yelling, you know, is anybody hungry? Would you like something to drink? And it, we didn't know where to go or who to, who to partner with, so we did it ourselves. And we wanted our kids to be a part of it so they could really see you know this other side uh, we were very fortunate to have a home we've got you know a couple different cars we were able to, to still afford to do these things and I don't want my children ever growing up thinking that's the only way to life because there's so many different factors and over the time it, it really has just kind of morphed into people wanting to, to come alongside and join us they come out with us in the freezing cold weather um, they you know they'll donate Uh, food blankets whatever it may be and you start meeting other people who who didn't know that there was different homeless resources you know downtown they just go out because they have a heart to love on people and they don't want to see anybody sick and it's amazing over the years i mean my wife will pull into a parking lot and just find somebody I mean, I get a call now and I, I don't even, it is it is what it is. You know, we got to go get a hotel room. We need to get somebody some food. You know, we're going to, this person had all their identification stolen. So I'm going to take them over to the social security office. I'm going to take them down here. We're going to get this stuff set up and we homeschool our children. And so it's, she's got, I say, she's got the time. She's, she's probably spread thin more than I am in a lot of ways, but she makes the time yeah. to, to make that happen. And, um, She she really is the engine for it in so many ways, because that was a part of her life that was very real to her and and made a lasting impact. And so she can help pull anybody out of it. She's going to Um, and through our business and what we've done now through even with politics is opening so many more doors for us to be able to do it on a bigger scale and help people. And that's what we love is yeah. because we, we find the resources, uh, things that I just, I wasn't aware of with one of the, whether it's the Homeless Alliance or it's city care or it's the Oklahoma City Housing Authority, you know, um, I've been fortunate enough to be in the position that I'm in that I can make a phone call and, you know, those people answer the, the phone now. We can find someone a bed, you know, we can find someone a house or an apartment and, you uh, just to see the way the city is starting to recognize homelessness and what they need to do to help out is has been really miraculous. I think. Yeah. So, uh, and like this current storm that's coming up, we have a, uh, negative temperatures that are coming up yeah. in the next couple of days, and you know we've got to get everybody kind of prepped and ready. And whether you know we've got some people who are willing to go into motels or hotels, and some people because they have pets, they're not willing to leave. And that's their family. We get it, so we have to get them some sub-zero sleeping bags. You know, try to get them something that they can they can navigate through the, the upcoming weather. Um, it's right now at our office. We've got the SNU uh, track team, I think it is, mm-hmm. that is making sandwiches yeah. and stuffing. Uh, baggies full of just little bitty shampoos and toiletries for the, the people who were putting Drama in the motels. Bags, yeah. So, um, it's that's been actually a really good partnership. Yeah. You know, sorry, you and I didn't get to know each other when you right. were there doing yeah. that, but yeah. we, um, that, that's just kind of how things have morphed into that. Yeah. I hope I answered your question because no, no, so no, I you kind did, of went definitely. off.
1: Okay. Well, and, and a lot of it's like, you know, for people listening and, and for myself too, a lot of it's like education, right? We just don't know. And like you said, you know, before you were just going, you guys were just going out and doing it on your own before you kind of got into politics and you kind of learned the ways around it and who, you know, that thing, That's one thing too. It's like who are the best people to? You know, if someone doesn't have the time or or if they just don't have the physical ability to go out and hand out and help stuff and help physically, like who do they donate to? Like who's the right people? Because there's so many out there, like you know, and it's very hard to to figure out. You know, like like you you mentioned earlier, to figure out where your dollars are going. So, you know, and like I said, when, when you get into politics, you kind of realize, you know, oh, these are the right people to talk to. These are the ones who are actually really making the impact. And, you know, I can help out or it's, you know, it, it just, like I said, opens up a lot of doors. Um,
0: well, I mean, for us, we tell people, I mean, if they don't want to donate to us specifically or yeah. to somebody else, I I completely get it. You don't always can trust. Well, we need 10 rooms for six nights. Yeah. Call this motel and pay it. Right. You know, go that route, do it that way. Yeah. And it's amazing the people that that do show up. Yeah. I mean, and you start building trust after that time, so people will start donating or doing whatnot. Um, and we have a nonprofit that runs concurrent with our our for profit, and that can get kind of sticky to run together. So you have to be very careful. Right. But we um, we make sure that everything goes in into yeah. to that that regard and what we can do. And um, in fact, I mean, we'll we'll be out this weekend. My yeah. church loans us their people mover, and we just we go in. Yeah, we've and let me tell you some of the, the tent cities and or like homeless camps, they, they have some elaborate camps last year. I was down underground in a bunker that someone had dug out and created literally an apartment underneath it. Wow. Scared the junk out of me. <laughs> I'm sure it did. Oh, but I mean, I came across a CPR dummy. I thought was the person that was dead. It wow. scared me half to death, but I mean, just some of the places that you go and some of the things you do and you you get to pull these people out. Um, is, is opening. You know, like you just wouldn't even consider some of the, the ways people will live and survive. Yeah. Um, and we've been out of that for so long that we've co- be, become very comfortable and accustomed to our life. Yeah. You know, you forget as well. So yeah. it, it's crazy.
1: Uh, I assume the plan is to just do this as long as you can do it. Right. It doesn't say, you know, just by listening to you speak, and this is something that, that you really have a passion for. Um, you know, I, just where, do, where do you where do you see it going I guess where it would be the next question like logically like On you, know, the you said you're, you're 44 years old now where do you see like and I'm sure it might evolve over time too like if there's another need you know now it's homelessness maybe it's something else like where do you see the future of you know grounds for compassion going I,
0: I'll, I'll take it as far as God calls me to take it okay uh, that'll be your short answer mm-hmm. um, my wife and I made a commitment to each other and and to God years ago that okay lord the, the answer is yes yeah what's the question and so if we feel like god's directed us a certain way regardless if we know how we're going to get there that we, all right we'll do it yeah um and it's very difficult for us to see someone in need and not do what we can to help out you know so um again that's where the the whole the aspect of the the sure. politics has just yeah. opened up doors to be able to do it in a, in a better way. I hope.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we 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 don't really like to subscribe to party lines and to different things, and that's one of the reasons we love city councils because it's it's not supposed to be that way. Really, you know? <laughs> It's supposed to be about your community. Yeah. It doesn't matter what side of an aisle you're on or whatever. These are human beings. Yeah. These are real needs, real situations. You know it. Let's focus on that. And if we do that, I think everybody wins. You don't have to have yeah. these different ideals that can get in the way. Let's mm-hmm. just focus on being a blessing to the community. And you know, so far it seems like you know it's really working and focusing yeah. on that is what we're going to do. But I will tell you that my wife is the reason that we've really focused on the homeless thing. Mm-hmm. I have fallen absolutely in love with it, more so because of her. Yeah. Um, I doubt we ever get out of it. Um, and everything I read biblically, I don't ever see the word retirement. So I don't know that, yeah. that that's anything other than American really kind of, you know, philosophy. Right. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, retirement sounds great at some point. Yeah. But our, our job is to make disciples and to love on people. And unless you're willing to meet their needs and meet them where they're at, very rarely can they hear the, the message of Christ. So my goal will be until I go the way of my ancestors, right. you know, yeah. I'm gonna keep doing this.
1: Yeah, you mentioned you, you got five kids now, um, kids involved and what's that like having them around and, and also just having them not, not just learn from from giving back and, and seeing people's different and difficult situations, but also learning you know, entrepreneurship as well. What's that like?
0: You know, it's been a challenge. I've got uh, with five, I have got with uh, 5 i 5 teenagers. Mm. So they range from 13 to 19. Wow. Uh, we, we went from two to five in 18 months. Yeah. Our, our last two were 12 months apart. Okay. But then six months later, we adopted who became our oldest. Okay. Um, she was my niece first. Okay. Um, her mom and dad uh, died from overdoses. Oh my God. Four months apart. Wow. And so we were her aunt and uncle and then became mom and dad. She, yeah. she was an almost only child uh, in her situation and then became the oldest of five overnight. And so we've got five very different kids in a lot of ways. Um, you know, some, you can tell, have that business entrepreneurial mindset. My youngest boy, who's 14, I think he's already started two or three companies yeah. and he's employed his brothers and sisters doing it. And when I say that, I'm talking like he, he started the uh, backyard dog who clean up business before it actually became a thing in the city. Yeah. Um, then he started cleaning out people's storm shelters, still does that one to this day. Yeah. And it pays for his extra of sports. It pays for the things he wants to do. Love He's that. got some really, you know, high profile clients. When I say it that way, I mean, he yeah. just, he, he, cause he has no problem getting down. He And he t- dad, one day I just I started thinking, what could I do that nobody likes doing? Yeah. And then I'm going to go do it. That's also a recession-proof business right? as well, right? <laughs> so, Cleaning
1: is recession-proof business.
0: And then my youngest daughter is just like, she is always thinking about, like, you know, how can I make money? How can yeah. I do this? And um, my my oldest son has has got a, a clothing line business that he's, he's really trying to kind of get kicked off. He loves designing things. Yeah. But uh, my oldest daughter, who came out of uh you know, that life of addiction and pain as well. And all the traumas that she had gone through in those first six years, she's now taking and she's headed to ORU and she's wanting to become a childhood trauma counselor to to help children who are, you know, navigating that. So uh, my, my middle son's 15. He's, you know, this baseball player who of course has aspirations to not only go to college, but pro and so, I mean, he all of them work for me, except for my oldest son who, who it's been great for our relationship that he doesn't, (laughs) Uh, but he works at Chick-fil-A. He he just got promoted to trainer there. He's doing great things. Um, but they all have the heart to help. And I would, I would really, I think the credit goes to my wife. You know, she is, she has incorporated all of that into our homeschooling, into our, our, you know, lives of everything that we do. So, um, when, when your 17-year-old son in public will walk up and give you a hug and tell you he loves you in front of all of his friends and everybody else, I feel like I, like we must have done something right there. Yeah. You know, I've got, and my 19-year-old daughter will do it. It's like, they're not ashamed. They're not worried about it. You're going to be me choked up even talking about it. I just, I, I feel, I feel very honored and blessed to be their dad on that side of it. So. Yeah.
1: Brilliant. Uh, Bradley, it's been an absolute blast. Um, I'm glad that um, Todd put us together. Uh, I'm glad we got to make this happen. And oh, absolutely. And I'm glad we could do it as soon as we did because uh, great timing on the storm coming in and hearing that story and everything that, that you guys are doing on that as well. Um, how do people help out? What, what's kind of like the social medias, the websites for uh, Grounds for Compassion where people can come and try this amazing coffee?
0: So um, groundsforcompassion.com okay, or... G the number four the letter C dot coffee okay is our websites um, same on social medias mm-hmm. um, you know. We do have an aspect people can donate to if they so choose. You can call the store okay. and get that that information, but we have um, just literally supporting us. You know, we have a deal for people who want to just subscribe and have coffee delivered every month directly. Don't you know? Don't set it and forget it. It's called the Compassion Club. Okay. You know, you get to be a part of that if you want. Um, so, um, but we would really covet your prayers. You know, people who would love to come alongside of us, pray, pray with us, cover us in that sense as we continue to move forward. We want to make sure that we can, yeah. we can continue doing this as we, as we get older and, uh-huh. and you know, grow. So yeah, brilliant. Well, I really appreciate you I, having yeah, me on here.
1: I will put the links and, and, and the address and everything in the description uh, on the podcast down below so people can go click that straight away and, and kind of see it as they're listening. Um, but yeah, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, good luck this year uh, in the politics side of things. I know it's going to be a busy year on that side as well as obviously for your business. So wish you all the best on that side. And uh, for people listening, we will catch you next episode. Thank Cheers. you. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.Oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, oklahoma business down in el reno they're also in bethany as well so people in the bethany area know the diffies really well but if you're looking for anything new used um ford lincoln or whatever i'm sure they could find anything you want um check them out diffieford.net and then on instagram at diffieford lincoln this episode is presented by citizens bank of edmund citizens bank of edmund has been serving Edmond since 1901 they pride themselves on investing in the community and are here for all your personal and business banking needs For more information, go to mycitizens.bank and follow them on Instagram at citizensedmond, as well as go bank there, because I bank there too. It's been a fantastic personal experience for me. I've had my podcast account there now, my podcast business account there now for a few, four years now, I think, and it's been fantastic. So definitely worth your time. They're a great group of people, and they're always there to answer the phone when I forget my password, because I seem to forget it daily Uh, so yeah go to citizens edmund and um, check them out it's been awesome
0: thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories for more great oklahoma content follow this is oklahoma on facebook and instagram